0: Well, church, welcome to Palm Vista. Um, If you're watching online, uh, welcome. We are concluding our Holy Week series. We entitled the series, Road to Redemption. Road to Redemption. And the road began a week ago as Christ entered Jerusalem. David preached a wonderful message. And um, in that message, that road led Christ to advance upon Jerusalem and upon us as, as the authoritative king, as the humble king, and as a king who brings joyous praise from his people. Then we followed that road to Friday nights, where Kevin preached to us the cry of dereliction. Dereliction is abandonment. It's forsaking. It's when Christ was on the cross outside of Jerusalem and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Kevin did a great job to explain that Christ was forsaken. He was rejected, that we might be accepted. Today the road takes us to Jerusalem, to a tomb there just outside of Jerusalem where it's empty. Christ had been in that tomb for three days after suffering for us on the cross, and he rose from the dead. And the road to redemption today is going to take us to the end. Because we are going to go to the day that Christ returns. When what Christ began at his death and resurrection, the kingdom he inaugurated at his death and resurrection, he will consummate at his second coming. And here's the deal. God is asking us, are we all in? That's the title of this message. Are we all in on that resurrection victory? The text is 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58. First Corinthians 15, 50 to 58. And here's the deal you know, this idea of all in, it's it's this idea of putting all your assets, all your hopes, all your dreams, all your money, all your talent into one thing or one person. To give yourself wholly, fully, without holding back at all to something or someone. I mean, the picture that comes to my mind is being all-in on a hand of poker, right? You ever seen that? The moments get tense. The person takes all that they have, everything. They just put it all on the table. I mean, you know, their jewelry, you know, the deed to their house, the deed to their car, and they just push it all in, and they say, okay, I've got a winning hand. I'm all in. You do that whether you know it or not. It's called worship. Worship. What hand are you all in on? What hand are you holding? Where do you have your hope? Where do you put your energies? You know, where do you really give yourself to, right? I mean, you know, some of us go to work. But I mean, it's like we're all in on video games. And I don't know why I'm looking over here. But we're all in on football teams, Gators. We're all in on whatever... Where are you really all there? I mean all there. Like you perk up on that one. You would lose it all for that. You, you live for that. What hand are you playing? Here is the argument of the text. Here is God's appeal to you and to your soul. It's the argument I hope to make from the text, and here it is. Give yourself, be all in, give yourself to Christ resurrection victory. Give yourself to Christ's resurrection victory. You know why? Is he gave himself to you. He died on that cross for you. He rose from the dead for you. And he will come back for you, Christian. He will come back for you. Give yourself to Christ's resurrection Victory. This is the hand that you're to play, that you're to be all in on. Point one, how do we do that? Well, we do that by celebrating Christ's resurrection victory. By celebrating Christ's resurrection victory. And to celebrate Christ's resurrection victory, you've got to believe that you need a resurrection. Do, do you know that Christ didn't come just to save your soul, but your body According to Randy Alcorn, who has researched a lot about heaven and the resurrection, on the screen, of Americans who believe in a resurrection of the dead, two-thirds believe they will not have bodies after the resurrection. You're not going to be floating in the the nether sphere strumming a harp. But this is self-contradictory. A non-physical resurrection is like a sunless sunrise. There's no such thing. Resurrection means that we will have bodies. If we don't have bodies, we won't be resurrected. He saved your soul. He saved your body. Heaven is not a disembodied place where we float around somewhere. Heaven is a physical place. The new heavens and the new earth, and we will be given physical bodies. And the church in Corinth had either forgotten that or had so spiritualized the gospel, wrong gospel, that they were denying the resurrection. First century Corinth, to whom this letter was written. We can functionally deny it if we don't think about it. If we don't understand that God's going to make this earth new, that God's going to make our bodies new. When Jesus rose from the dead... He was giving us a picture as to what our eternal state's going to be, Christian. A physical body on a physical earth. You understand that? 40 days he walked around like that. (laughs) If we don't raise physically from the dead, we don't get into God's eternal kingdom. Look at verse 50. And trust me, you want to get into God's eternal kingdom. Verse 50, "'I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God.'" flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. What he's saying is that our bodies have an expiration date, that our bodies have a you know, drink-by date, <laughs> that our bodies are going to all expire, and that we need new bodies, new physical bodies, to be in a physical new earth with God. Jesus is Is the firstborn from the dead, as he is, so we will be. You understand that Jesus had a body, he ate fish. Now he did walk through walls. I'm not gonna explain all that to you, but he ate fish. He said to he said to Thomas, look at my hands. He ascended into heaven. See, this is a gospel point. Jesus not only was incarnated as God in the flesh, not only lived a perfect life that we need to live, not not that we cannot live, not only died on the cross, physically died on a cross, didn't appear to die on a cross, but physically died on a cross. Ancient heresies would say he appeared to die. Islam said he didn't really die, but he was secreted away from the cross. No, no. Jesus physically died on the cross. He was physically dead. He stopped breathing for three days, and he was physically raised from the dead. And he walked on the earth for 40 days. On the earth. That's what we're going to do. It'll just be a new earth and a new body, because this body cannot inherit the kingdom of God, because this body is flawed. Oh my, is this body flawed? My knee will tell you that right now, as will my back, as will the bags underneath my eyes. But we know this, don't we? Like like everybody knows this. Intuitively, humanity hates death. Ladies, there is a multi-billion dollar industry to take care of the bags under your eyes and the wrinkled skin on your face. Men, to take care of whatever you're losing on the top of your head or everywhere else. There's something that's in us that says, I don't want to die. And so Paul is saying, don't be fools. You need an imperishable body and an immortal body. How? How's that going to happen? How is God going to save not only our souls, but our bodies? How is he going to refit us for an eternal kingdom? Well, here's the answer. Verses 51 to 53. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Now, it shouldn't have been a mystery, but it was, because they were being deceived about the gospel, because they were living so for the here and now that they weren't thinking about that eternal kingdom, because they had so spiritualized um, Christianity That it didn't matter about the body, but it does matter about the body, big time. Just not the way we think it does. Not the way this world says. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Sleep is a euphemism for death. But we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. That's what humans want. Why do you think the Marvel series is multi-billion dollar, and people go to the theaters to watch it? Because everybody wants a superhero that never dies. But you die. I don't care how many protein drinks you drink and how much you work out, you will die one day. And we hate it. We see our heroes. For me, they're all athletes. Shriveled up, limping. You look at their face and go, whoa. And then you look in the mirror and go, whoa. It happened to me too. How did that happen? Whose big old fat bloated face is that? <laughs> see, the gospel... The gospel includes the resurrection of your body from perishable to imperishable. The gospel includes giving your mortal body immortality. I know what you're thinking, but what about the person that has been uh, cremated? What about the soldier that has been exploded by a bomb? What about the bodies? Look, our bodies, apart from Christ coming and until he comes, are going to be put in a grave and they are going to rot and the worms will eat it. I'm sorry. But that's true. So how can that happen? It is true. How can Jesus, on the day that he returns, when he completes, when he, he inaugurated He inaugurated it with his death and resurrection, he's going to consummate it at that final day when the trumpet sounds, we get the new bodies, the new earth is made, it's one day, it's not 15 different days, it's one day, he comes back and it all happens. The wicked are judged, the righteous are judged, everything happens on that day. How is that possible? Who's going to raise my mother? Teresa. How can that be? Here's how. Verse 54. When the perishable puts on the imperishable. He's talking about the day that the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns. When the perishable puts on the imperishable. And the mortal puts on immortality. Then, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. And now Paul's going to quote Isaiah and Hosea. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying, what God is saying, what you need to believe, what Isaiah was saying in Isaiah 25.8 and what Hosea was saying in 13.14 is this. Death's doom is sealed. The poison of the sting of death has been taken away. We've been detoxified from the toxic, fatal poison. In fact, the stinger has been plucked out when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. It's happened. It's happened because of the gospel. And what, and what Paul is doing here is he's taunting death based on his faith in what is to come. Isaiah 25.8, you can read it on the screen. He's quoting from there. Isaiah wrote this probably some 600 years earlier. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Isaiah didn't know who he was talking about. But he was talking about Jesus in his first and second coming. And then Hosea, in Hosea 13, 14, I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol, hell. I shall redeem them from death. O oh, death, where are your plagues? O oh, sheol, where is your sting? Compassion is hidden from my eyes. So what God is saying, what Paul is saying, what we must believe and celebrate is that today we can celebrate the resurrection in the midst of our tears. Today We can celebrate the fact, and God is calling you to do this as you give yourself to Christ's resurrection victory. He's calling us to celebrate and think about our imperishable bodies. We don't fear death, though we mourn it. We stop complaining about the aches of our old bodies. Or if we do, we complain to the Lord and try to keep it to a minimum with everyone else. I find myself groaning a lot more involuntarily because I just hurt. But I want to stop doing that because then everybody goes, oh, you okay, you okay, you okay? Like, no, I'm not okay. But I, but I will be okay one day. Okay? We, we mourn the death and the destruction of the wars that are going on right now. We mourn and grieve those that are being slaughtered for the sake of Christ's name in Afghanistan. We mourn the, the war in the Ukraine. We mourn what's happening in our own nation and the unrighteousness. We, we mourn the, the hurricanes and volcanoes and, and, and earthquakes. We mourn that, and that's right to do. But we do it. This is how we celebrate. This is how we're all in. This is how we're all in on Christ's resurrection victory. But we mourn it with the words in our mouth that there's a better day coming. We long for our resurrection bodies. Do you long for your resurrection bodies? I'm glad you're working out. I, I'm working out too. I think we should steward these bodies the best we can. But this isn't the final edition. Now, I'm not sure what I'm going to look like forever and ever. Will I look like this? Will I have gray hair? Will I have dark hair? Well, I don't know. Will I be, you know, 5'11"? Well, I don't know what I'm going to be. But here's what I do know. Who cares? I'm going to live forever, immortal, imperishable. That's good enough for me. But do you think about that? Or do you just live for the here and now? Do you get me? See, Corinth was just, they forgot that. It doesn't mean we don't hurt, but it means we hurt with hope. I'm still on point one. We give ourselves to Christ's resurrection victory. How? By celebrating it. We remind ourselves that death died at Christ's death and resurrection, and we eagerly await for the day that death, that death of death, is consummated. If you read the scripture, it says that the last enemy to be destroyed on that day is death. Death was undefeated until Jesus. Death had the last word until Jesus. Death does not have the last word in your life. And as a Christian, it's not the last word in the lives of those who pass away in the Lord. We make it clear that this eternal hope is for those who have repented and believed in Christ. And if you haven't, oh friend, I pray that you would. And I think finally the way we celebrate Christ's resurrection victory, the way we are all in, the way we give ourselves to Christ's resurrection victory, is that we read good books about this. I would, I would greatly encourage you to read Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven. Uh, and before that, read this book about heaven. Read it. It's filled with visions of God's eternal kingdom, which only is available to those with imperishable, immortal bodies, which is impossible by man, but possible with God. See, this is the gospel. I can't do it. You can't do it. I don't care how good you are. Your body cannot go from perishable to imperishable, but Jesus did it. Believe him. Believe him. Even when you have broken bones in your body and are aching, believe him. Believe him. All right. So, here's the argument. Give yourself to the resurrection victory of Christ. Be all in. How do you do that? You celebrate at point one. Point two, you communicate it. You communicate it. Look at verse 58. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to ask yourself, what is that therefore, therefore? Right? And Paul has just finished, in chapter 15, giving us 57 verses to convince the Corinthians, who were being foolish, they were very gifted, they were a wealthy church, they were a happening church, and they were a foolish church, because they were denying the resurrection. They weren't living for that day. They were living for today. He spends 57 verses reminding them and convincing them of the resurrection, telling them if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, you're still in your sins. That's a pretty serious deal. And he's, and he's explaining the resurrection. He's explaining how our bodies will be made new. And the whole punchline is for this. If I could fire rockets off right now, I would. This is the main point of the sermon. You got it? This is the main point of chapter 15. Chapter 15. This is it. This is God's appeal to you. That's what that therefore is there for. Here we go. Let's read it again. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast immovable, because Jesus rose from the dead and promises to make your perishable body imperishable. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? Well, grammatically, it has to be what Jesus just finished talking about. And what did Jesus just finish talking about? Christ's resurrection from the dead. So for you to be steadfast and movable in the work of the Lord is that you think about it, you live according to it. You don't live today for today, you live today for tomorrow. You, you live as if your body is a temporary body and God's going to give you a permanent body. You live for the immortality of the kingdom of God, your entire ethos, your entire way you think. You're all in, man, because Jesus is all in on you. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's an amazing promise. In the Lord your labor is not in vain. I'm I'm reading through Ecclesiastes right now, written by Solomon in the Old Testament. Vanity of vanity, all is vanities. We know that intuitively. We build the sand castles of our lives, and then the waves come in and wash them away. We get everything just perfect, and then things change. We save up for retirement, and then we, we get a, a terrible disease. Because we're old. <laughs> I'm not making fun of that. But, but there's this sense of it's all vanities, So some people just drink their life away since it's all vanities. The heck with it. I'm just going to have fun. And some people go into deep depressions, and if that's you, I'm so sorry. And I I really pray God break through that with his resurrection hope this morning. Or we just, a lot of us just work as hard as we can. And it's, it's like cleaning your house when you have four children. We had four children. And you get it all perfect. And then they come downstairs. It's over. right. Right. It's all vain. You work to get your career, and your company goes down. It's all vain. You get the perfect degree. You get the perfect job, and your boss torpedoes you because he doesn't or she doesn't like you. You get the perfect home, and hurricane fill in the blank comes and wipes it out, and the insurance company won't pay for it. Everything's good. You got your family in the car. And a drunk driver runs a red light and T-bones you and you're gone. Or you're crippled. And you think, what's the use? Here it is. God promises to give you a new life and a new body and a new earth and it's not in vain. Every moment of suffering on this earth brings eternal glory and the life to come. That's what gives it hope. And it doesn't make it any less painful. And I'm sorry for your pain. And I'll come cry with you. It's okay to cry. It's okay to yell at God. It's okay to to yell at others. But eventually it moves us to then praising God and saying, God, I'm so weak. I'm so limited. I'm I'm walking through life like this. And suddenly guys go, oh, look at eternity. Open your eyes. Therefore, be steadfast and movable. Put that scripture up again. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your work is not in vain. You want a meaningful life? Then you work in the Lord. You trust in that resurrection day. Christ, resurrection, if we're talking a card game, Christ's resurrection trumps Satan, sin, and death every time. That hand wins. That hand wins. So here's the appeal, church. Here's the appeal. Give yourself to Christ's resurrection victory by celebrating and communicating it. Celebrating and communicating it. Believer, if you're a Christian, here's my appeal. Celebrate Christ's resurrection victory by remembering that your present body and this present heaven and earth are perishable. They're temporary. We're renting a spot here. Our permanent home is to come. We all have expiration dates, but we're promised a new permanent home that will never rot, that will never be broken down, with no tears, with no death, with no broken bones, no hurricanes, no pandemics, nothing of that. And we live in the light of that. We cry over the brokenness of this world in the light of that. We cry over broken marriages in the light of that. And we we remind each other of that. Believer, Christian, celebrate Christ's resurrection victory by rehearsing Christ's victory over sin and death every day. Every day, think about it. Kevin, thank you. David, thank you for how you preached last week. It's, It's ringing in my ears. I need a savior He advances on me with authority and humility for joyful praise. He took my punishment because I easily forget. If I were a styrofoam cup filled with that gospel water, it's got a hole in the bottom and it leaks. And every day I need to remind myself. Think often how he, Christ, inaugurated the death of death. And anticipate, anticipate, anticipate. Communion is a time to do that. Anticipate with joy the the death of death, the imperishable, immortal bodies he's going to give us at his second coming. His second coming doesn't lead me to bunker mentality and do nothing. His second coming leads me to a a hope-filled boldness that you preached two weeks ago. Let's go win the nations. Victory's assured. Let's go. Oh, you're going to die. Okay. I'm going to rise again. Oh, it's going to cost you everything. Fine. This stuff's all perishable anyways. Christian, celebrate it and communicate it. See, I have to ask you this. What hand are you playing? When you're at the table of life, what hand are you playing? Are you playing Christ's hand? Or your own hand. See, communicate Christ's hand. Communicate it by the life you live, by the relationships that you forge. Communicate it by, by your, your steadfastness and movableness in the gospel. Never move from the hope of the resurrection by getting too comfortable with this world and living for it. Communicate Christ's resurrection victory by giving yourself to the ministry of the gospel. Oh, my that, that give it being steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, that work of the Lord is the resurrection victory of Christ. It's the gospel. there's synonymous terms. Are you giving yourself to it? Are you giving yourself to Christ and His resurrect, resurrection victory? Well, here's a news bulletin for you. Here's a mystery. Behold, a mystery. You cannot give yourself to Christ without giving yourself to His body. It's impossible. That's a disembodied Christianity that doesn't exist other than in your head and on the internet. If you love Jesus, you love his body. But his body, yeah, well, you're part of his body. So he is beautifying his body. And one day his body will look just like him, physically and character-wise. You get that. I'm not going to say we all look exactly like Jesus. But we're going to have a physical body, resurrection body. Do you give yourself to that? Or do you not pay attention here? Mm. It says many applications. As many applications as the gifts of the Holy Spirit, my beloved brothers and sisters that you have. Employ them. Sharpen them. Come to classes and learn more about them. I have the privilege of leading a class, and we're sharpening one another. I mean, it's somewhat of a train wreck those nights, but it's wonderful. We're trying to figure out how to interpret God's word. It's hilarious. We're like the Three Stooges. But God's with us, and he knows our heart, and he's going to help us. He's going to help you. What gift has God given you? Are you employing it? Are you sharpening it? Are you communicating Christ's resurrection victory? Because Christ has communicated it to you. Give yourself to his body, because he gave his body for you. Do you understand that? Christ gave his body for you. It wasn't just a good intention. He was all in. So you be all in. And finally, for the unbeliever, my dear friend, thank you for coming this morning. I am a bit more animated than I normally am. And I probably scowled a few more times than I normally do. I'm sorry for that. I'm going to try to not scowl now. <laughs> um, I just appeal to you. You have an expiration date too. And, and I just pray that you would give yourself to Christ and his resurrection victory by giving yourself to Christ in repentance and faith. And I ask that with as much respect and love and care as I can, understanding that Christ is the one who will unveil your eyes and open them to this truth. I pray that he does. pray that you would cry out to him. Who alone paid for your sin. Who alone can turn your perishable body into an imperishable one. Who alone can cause you to inherit his kingdom. Cry out for his mercy. Do this by faith as he gives you that grace in Christ. Let's pray. Worship team, if you would join Lord, it's good to preach your word. Thank you for that privilege. Um, It's good to see your people and look them in the eye and see your word dropping in on them. Lord, I, I know that I look at eyes that are hurting. I could see the pain in their eyes physically. They're hurting. Eyes that are afraid, I see the worry in their eyes. Most of them, the eyes, a lot of them are just weary. Some of them are eyes that are uncomprehending. I don't know that they know you. Jesus you know everybody here. The Bible says, you know you know the numbers of hairs on their head you know their innermost thoughts. Jesus, I pray you who were all in for us, you who gave us your body, would you now save your people? And by that I mean those that would be unregenerate, that would be dead to you, make them alive. And those that are regenerate, those that are alive, would you continue to sanctify them with your word, by your spirit? Lord, we can give ourselves to you only because you gave yourself for us. Give hope to the depressed. Stop them from going down that road that would lead to their own destruction. Lord, you arrested death. And because of that, we can live. Can you put verse one up there, Amanda, of death was arrested? I love this verse, church. Alone in my sorrow, dead in my sin. That's pretty hopeless, isn't it? Lost without hope, with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. That's speaking of the cross of Christ. When death was arrested and my life began, that speaks of regeneration, God making us alive. Verse 2, ash was redeemed. Only beauty remains. My orphan heart, look at these metaphors. Dead, alone, sorrow, orphan. My orphan heart was given a name. God gives us a name. He gives us his name. He gives us his name. He gives us his name. We were orphans without hope, alone. And he adopts us. We did nothing to earn it. My mourning grew quiet. (coughs) My feet rose to dance when death was arrested and my life began. Verse 3, released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. May God release you from the chains of sin and death. Christ, Christian, has delivered us from the power and the penalty of sin. We still have the presence of sin that we're fighting with. Sometimes those chains get wrapped up, but we, we don't have to be prisoners. Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He bore my shame by dying in shame naked on the cross. He canceled my debt on the cross. He called me his friend on the cross. When death was arrested and my life began, in verse 4, our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. Ah. But then Jesus throws down the hand, arose with freedom in hand, That's when death was arrested and my life began and it's consummated at his coming when we get new bodies and this earth is made new. Let's sing about that now. Stand with me, when death was arrested.